Hello, I'm Ashley Mingwasser. Welcome to another episode of Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. Classroom Conversations is brought to you by the Georgia Department of Education in partnership with Georgia Public Broadcasting. In this episode, we are looking very closely at the transition from pre-kindergarten to kindergarten. That's one small step for feet, one giant leap for child and teacher kind. Yes. Much like your host, kindergarten is a word of German origin. Unlike your host, it was born in the mid-1800s. I'd literally be 172. Kindergarten means children's garden, and in Europe, they were sometimes called infant gardens. How very idyllic. And it's true. If you've ever been inside a kindergarten classroom, you know. They're so charming, built to nurture, develop young minds. You'll regress right back to age five. Our teacher feature today has even more to say about moving on up from pre-K to kindergarten. Here at GPB Studios, I have pre-K teacher Barry Murphy and kindergarten teacher Cynthia Hardegree. Both go to work every single day, excluding weekends, at Henderson Mill Elementary in Atlanta. Welcome, teachers. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad you're here. Have either of you ever been on a podcast before, Barry? I have not. I'm so excited. Cynthia? I have, (gasps) but never in the studio. Well, what was the podcast you did? Um, It was the debrief with Major Garrett. What's that on? Uh, CBS. Oh, a CBS podcast. Yes. I hope we can give you the same thrilling experience. There are Lysol wipes <laughs> right in front of you. Well, thank you so much. This is so thrilling. That's part of our red carpet. Okay, well, I want to start with the basics. I want to know your teacher origin story. So when did you become teachers at your respective grade levels? Barry, you go first. Uh, when did I know I wanted to be a teacher? Yeah, when okay. did you start? So I've been, in te- I've been teaching for 20 years, but... I fought the teaching bug all through growing up. I was convinced I, I'm a fourth-generation teacher. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my mom were teachers. I saw how hard my mom worked teaching growing up and, you know, just said, no, I'm not doing that. But was always babysitting, nannying, and, um, you know, finally my, after my first year at Auburn, I realized I can't fight this any longer. I've got to do it. And I wasn't broadcasting, ironic enough. Ironic. Yeah. <laughs> do you but, ever wonder? No, I definitely know. <laughs> she said not at all. Especially, Thank you. especially seeing what y'all do, I'm like, no, I could never have done this. But I do. Um, I am so glad that I finally stopped fighting the bug, and um, it's the best profession. I'm so happy that um, I stuck with it this long, and um, it's great. I love it. Answered the call. Yeah, Cynthia, when did you know you wanted to be a teacher for kindergarten? Well, kind of like Barry, I grew up in a long line of educators, and. I decided I was going to be the ballerina, and I went for it, and then I was like, you know what? I actually want to become an educator, and so I went down that path as well, and um, I started my career as a third-grade teacher, and I saw a lot of students that needed a lot of foundational skills, and I wanted to be that person that gave them that solid foundation so they had a great start to the rest of their education. I know your students are really happy to have you, but for the record— you're a legitimate ballerina. Barry Seriously. and I have seen the photographs. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. 
Hello, oh, Swan you. Lake. Thank you. Maybe thank you, you can stick around after the show and show us some things. Oh, we'll see. We'll okay. see. Get out your tissues. A, a teaser, maybe. Yeah. We'll see. Bear and I are both trying to keep our posture up <laughs> just to match how good hers is. I know, right? Well, Cynthia, will you share a little bit about your school that you and Barry teach at at Henderson Mill Elementary in Atlanta? Of course. Um, Henderson Mill is what we like to call our triple crown. We were the first STEAM and STEM certified school in the state of Georgia, and we take a lot of pride in that. Um, our students love to collaborate, they love to be creative thinkers, um, and they love to share with each other. That's beautiful. Well, the fact that you both teach in the same building, I think, is the very definition of an educational twofer. <laughs> so what are the benefits of having pre-K in the very same building as kindergarten, Barry? I There's so many. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is just that they are exposed to the kindergarten teachers. They see them every day. We say their names. We make sure that they um, are on their hallway often so that it's not such a culture shock coming from pre-K being with us all day. Um, you know, the pre-K teachers were with them from the time they walk in to the time they leave. There's no breaks from us. And so in kindergarten, to have all these different kindergarten teachers, and um, it's just a different day. So being in the same building, them seeing the teachers, them knowing their faces, and knowing that we're friends. You know, I always say, oh, here's my friend, Miss Hardegree. And so it just creates this kind of like family environment where they're not so nervous when it's time to go to kindergarten. But do they know she's a former ballet dancer? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to leave that for her to... I was going to say, missed opportunity yeah. otherwise. I mean, sometimes you might catch me in the cafeteria dancing to Nutcracker. <laughs> it's true. happened before. <laughs> It'll happen time. again. I want to be there for that. What benefits have you seen, Cynthia? I would say getting to see potential future students and start to build those relationships that matter so much with our kids. Um, and then also getting to kind of talk to Barry about what she's noticing in her classroom and what we're seeing in kindergarten and how we can kind of close gaps if we need to or um, if we know that we have this student last year that struggled with something, we have someone to turn to to say, hey, what did you do to help this student and what can I do to help them now? Mm -hmm. So us being able to work together is the biggest benefit. Mm -hmm. It's a mutual resource. Yes. Well, I need to understand what, what you're teaching um, looks like. So Barry, tell us about Georgia's pre-K program in general to start. Okay, so Georgia's pre-K, we're um, under Bright from the Start. So we are kind of like on a different island from the rest of the school. Although we are in the building, we definitely have our own set of GELs, which is Georgia Early Learning Development Standards that we um, you know, we act, we assess the kids on. We try to cover all this um, do the gels every day, but we are truly trying to get them ready for kindergarten. But our program is really focused on um, the whole child. So all the domains and all the things that we want them to go into kindergarten ready for, we're preparing them. You're and, preparing them for that. Yeah. Are there are there differences in your experience between private programs that happen in centers um, or churches versus, you know, the public school program approach? I think there are really some big differences. I actually taught, um, so I taught public school for a long time, and then I went into the private sector at a church and taught pre-K there. I'm so proud of right from the start and our Georgia pre-K program because we really protect that age and making sure that their all their needs are being met academically, socially, emotionally, all of those things were trying to get them ready for. So in your experience, the accountability is the difference. I think so. And then also a huge one is 
being in the same building as kindergarten. I really think it's so beneficial. And, you know, not all Georgia pre-Ks are in a public school or in a building with K through 5. So the fact that we have that at our school and in DeKalb is really huge. I think it's super beneficial. And and all the pre-K programs, whether they're in a um, private, you know, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Like a private, like a little, a little center. Yeah, center. Yeah. That's it. Thank you, Ashley. I've got um, you back. It's what I'm here for. You know, they're they're doing the same things I'm doing at the center, right? Because that's another really great thing about Bright from the Start is that each pre-K class, no matter where it is, we look very much alike because we all are being held to the same teaching standards and we get so much great professional development through Georgia Bright from the Start and Georgia Pre-K. So we're all being taught the same things. And like I said, it's just a great program. You speak very highly of it. I know I personally, actually, what am I talking about? I don't know. I had to call my mom yesterday and ask her if I ever went to pre-K. <laughs> she was really offended. Like, do you not remember any of your childhood? I've, I've somehow repressed all of it. But she said, I went to a church pre-K. And I was like, I really don't remember it. She said, probably because you were just having a good time. And at that age, that's really what you want learning to be, regardless Huge. of where it is. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that. Um, that makes perfect sense. Well, how is the typical pre-K day structured? I want to hear that just briefly from you, Barry. And then I want to hear what Cynthia's kindergarten day looks like. So okay. tell us, Barry, how's your pre-K day go? Well, I feel like it's pretty it's pretty rigorous. It's fast. Like, it goes by super quick. So they come in. They journal. We go to breakfast together. We, we eat together every day. Um, you know, sometimes that looks different. It was in the classroom for a little while. Now we're back in the cafeteria. But little things that you don't think are a big deal are huge. Like, some of them don't know how to hold a fork or, like, they've never had wow. to sit at a table and have food with other people. Like family it's style. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So we eat together, then we go back to this classroom, have morning meeting, and then we move into small groups, phonemic awareness, math. Um, We don't have specials like music. Um, I mean, we have that at my school, but Georgia pre-K, they don't switch from from their pre-K teachers. So they're with us literally from the time they walk in until the time they leave. It's a long day. They get you all day, Barry. They are so lucky. And And then, you know, we do the, um, the rest time, the nap which is huge because they all fall asleep. I miss naps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that's like our time to go online and enter our WSO and do the things that we have to do as a pre-K teacher to maintain the um, standard, the gels and all that. So that's when we do that. And then um, we have um, some more small groups. And then, of course, music and movement is sprinkled all throughout the day through all of that. And, oh, an hour of center time, which is huge in pre-K because that is their time to explore and create and they get to pick where they want to go. So they have they have the ownership of I want to go here and do this. And um, that time all throughout that time, we're questioning them and asking, you know, trying to get them to go further. It's like a rotation of activities. Is that what center time is? Mm -hmm. Okay, And it's like kind of what um, kindergarten was 20 years ago when I first started teaching. We're, we're doing that now in pre-K. So they have that time to just explore and be with their friends and play and interact. And um, they get to use their hands, which is so huge in pre-K. They need to be using their hands all day. All that tactile learning. Mm-hmm. Well, Cynthia, tell us about your kindergarten regime. Yes. So kindergarten, we start the day running. They come <laughs> in. They have learned how to be independent from Barry. So they're unpacking their things. Um, they might go get breakfast um, and eat that. And then they might be working on a 
tablet or an activity or a center. It kind of changes. Whatever they need is what we're working on. Um, and then currently this year, they get to head to connections. So my students might go to music, art, um, the STEM lab, which they love, um, PE, and then they come back in and we do a math workshop. So kind of what Barry introduces them to with centers, we build upon that in kindergarten and they do different activities and rotations on standards. And then they have lunch, family style, similar to Barry's kids. And then they have recess that they get to play and build relationships with one another. We come back in, we might do social studies lessons on geography or multiculturalism or a variety of GSC standards. And then we might also have a science lesson, currently learning about living and non-living things. Um, and then we go into our reading ELA workshop. Um, and we spend most of our afternoon working on reading centers, phonemic awareness, phonological skills, writing workshop where they're creating books for the first time, which wow. they love. And then we end the day with a read aloud and sharing with each other. So rigorous, like Barry said, um, very academic focused, but we try to have fun throughout it. You're building on that foundation that she's laid in pre-K. You said yes. studying living and non-living things? That is correct. Ghosts came to my mind? I don't Ghosts. think that's what you meant by <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. With the Halloween theme coming up, okay. that, that might come up in conversation. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know if that was a legitimate thing in classrooms. But... I would I would accept it. Okay, good. If you could support your answer. <laughs> I probably could find a way. Uh, you know, I am a media person after all. Are there key Key differences, though, in your day? Who wants to take this one? Um, I'll say the biggest one for me, and I think what can sometimes be the most shocking for the kids is no nap time yeah. <laughs> in kindergarten. You know, we try to incorporate moments of mindfulness throughout our day, but we don't have that designated nap time yeah. that you have in pre-K. What you, what's your take, Barry? Key I think differences? I, I agree with Cynthia, and I also think the center times is huge because I've I've heard, you know, my babies go from me to Cynthia to kindergarten, and they're like, we don't have centers anymore. <laughs> but they do. They just don't know it. They right. don't understand that it's, it's repackaged. Yeah, it's different. Mm -hmm. But they're still getting all that great hands-on learning, exploring, all the things they do in centers. It's just different. And it's, mm -hmm. it's like Cynthia said, it's sprinkled throughout their day in kindergarten. Mm -hmm. But um, I don't know. I think with pre-K, too, there's a lot more flexibility, and there's within the classroom, like what we, what, where they can move and where they can go. And I feel like the older you get, there's more, you stay at your seat. Structure. You stay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a little different too. I've heard of ready. Okay. Cause I'm a former cheerleader, but I'm new to ready 4k. Okay. This is a new <laughs> concept. What does it mean to be ready 4k from a teacher perspective? I'm sure having good spirits still plays a part, but what is ready <laughs> Always. 4k? Yeah. Always. You are, so yeah, I ahead. feel like with with um, pre-K, my main objective, sending them to Cynthia, sending them to kindergarten, is making sure that there is mastery in all those gels, is um, making sure that each domain I've covered and we've covered it really well and that when I look at the student going into kindergarten, I know for each objective or however you want to look at it, gelled objective, they have mastery. They know what to do. They're... They're not afraid to make mistakes. That's a big one. Um, you know, we learn through making mistakes. And so, so much of being young and learning is, I don't know, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to be wrong. I don't. Mm -hmm. So in pre-K, we really try to say, no, you're, there's no wrong answer. Just 
say how say what you think, say how you feel. And so really fostering that environment that they're able to say what they want and there's not going to be a wrong answer and, and that they feel comfortable so that when they go to Cynthia and she's ready to hit the ground running, like she said earlier, they, they're comfortable. They're like, okay, I've done this before. I know I can raise my hand or I can answer the question and it's not scary, you know. What's ready for K mean to you, Cynthia? Um, well, Barry does a fantastic job getting our kids ready for kindergarten and I'm lucky to have some of her kids throughout the years. So first Thanks. off, that's fantastic. And what she really helps our kids do to be ready is exposure with vocabulary, um, also exposure with letters and numbers. Not knowing all of them is okay, but just recognizing, oh yeah, that is a number or that is a letter and having interactions with those things. Um, and then also increasing their independence, making ah. sure they're independently able to take off their coat when they come in or they can you know, follow a one or two step direction independently. That makes such a difference because then they're, they're ready. They're ready to get all the knowledge that they need. They're ready for K. They're ready for K. And, and actually all the things that Cynthia just mentioned, those are the gels. Those are the things that we're you know, trying to prepare them for. So it's awesome to hear her say the exact same things <laughs> that we're trying to do. Your perspective is so valuable. Now, now I'm thinking about the kids, though. We know that the leap to K can be trepidatious for kids, their parents alike. What are some of the biggest challenges that kids face when they enter kindergarten? Cynthia, do you want to take this one first? Sure. Um, I would say if they are overwhelmed at first, um, if they haven't been in a pre-K program, that's kind of a shocking experience mm -hmm. to walk into a room of 20 other people and they're looking at you and talking to you and with you. And so um, sometimes I see that, you know, first it's that overwhelming feeling. And I would say um, how we manage those emotions. So that could be the biggest thing is, okay, I'm feeling this way. What can I do to, you know, express this feeling in an appropriate way? And how can I help myself begin to feel better um, would be a big thing. What do you see, Barry, challenges that the kids face? Uh, I think it's just getting used to being in a routine and, and you know, sticking to an order of the day. You know, that their schedule is huge. And um, once they get used to it, they I think they really thrive because they know what they know what to expect, what's coming next. But getting them used to that. Right. Like, OK, so this is what we do now. And this, these are the expectations I have for you to get things done or, you know, it's as simple as lining up. Like some things like that are just, you think it's so easy. Okay, everyone line up. Oh, no. <laughs> really? Oh, no. <laughs> Describe the melee. Hurting cats. Yes. Oh, my gosh, that is what it is. Um, I mean, just different. We, you know, we try to spice it up. We try to make it fun. But if you're wearing red, please go line up. If you're wearing, if is that what you're saying? Like, oh, I how, like that. Yeah, just that's so good. that it's not like. A herd right. of cats lining well, up. And that's super awesome because they're learning colors, mm -hmm. they're learning numbers at the same active time. Listening. Active listening. So it all builds upon each other. And, you know, I also think waiting um, patience is really hard. It's really hard for it's this so age. It's so hard for adults, too. Oh, thank <laughs> you. I know. And so that creating that right now is you have to wait. There, there are processes we have to go through to get to the end you know, product or where even where we want to go. There are things we have to do in a certain order to get to that place. And so that's really hard for them. And so just every day, it's just the repetition, the repetition, the repetition and and um, redirecting, not so much 
if they're not doing the right thing, but look at so-and-so who is so they know what, what, oh, that's what she's expecting right now. Modeling. Yeah. And and positive reinforcement. That's huge. You know, oh, I love the way. And so that they know, like, I want to hear that about myself. So, yeah, all that takes a lot. Yeah. Well, this is true for adults and for students as well. But I know when you have something to look forward to, something to be really excited about, it's easier to keep moving ahead, right? (laughs) True. 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm thinking of things I'm looking forward to right now. Yeah. Fun weekend. <laughs> We're about a year and a half into this super fun pandemic that we've been going through. <laughs> and there's been a lot of discourse about the impact on little learners specifically, the really younger ones, maybe having an even more adverse impact on them in terms of virtual learning than older learners. What have you seen and how are you addressing that? I really, this year in the fall, the first couple of weeks of school struggle, it was like nothing I've ever experienced. In 20 years teaching, they came to me so emotional, like half of them crying all day long. I'm not even exaggerating. You saw it. You're my witness. (laughs) Um, So, and a part of my heart broke for them because it was the realization that they have been with their families or caretakers for their whole, like they've never known different than not being with their family and being in their Mm -hmm. house all day, every day. Um, so to come into this huge building with all these people and all these kids and all these colors and all these stimulating things that they're not used to, it was totally overwhelming. And I would go home and cry every day, too, because it was just so in solidarity, of course, of course <laughs> when I walked out of the room. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was very it, it was very apparent and aware. I was very aware of like, whoa, this is way different than it's ever been. And. You know, the the great thing is by now we're three months in. What is it? And so they're fine. They're they're fine. That's great. Yeah. But there are also some things that I've never experienced before, too. Like I realized almost all of them have never held a crayon, a pencil, a marker. It was just astonishing. Like they all had a horrible grip on their whatever they were holding. Whereas usually I would think like a two-year-old, three-year-old, that's where I was starting as far as like fine motor and also emotionally, right? Because they were just so, I want mommy. I want mommy all day. So the big things were things in their hand they were completely not used to. And and even like, let's go play this game or explore these manipulatives. They would just stand there. Like they did, have never been given free reign over manipulatives or things that they're not used to. And I, no, come play. Let's, you know, all of that was just completely foreign to them. What was your experience, Cynthia, getting virtual learners back in your kindergarten classroom? So it's kind of a different situation, I think, because a lot of my students um, were at home, but a lot of my kids were getting a lot of one-on-one attention, more so than they'd had in previous years due to the pandemic. They were home with mom and dad all day. So I'm seeing a lot more um, fine motor skills that are further developed than I'm used to because mom and dad were there to see it. Um, But at the same time, that also resulted in a lot of uh, crying and sadness being away from their parents. So I experienced a lot of that emotional development. They hadn't really been around people that weren't their family before. Um, How do you talk to a friend was a big conversation we have. You know, how do you say hello to each other? And you could tell at first they were like unsure of like, who is this other person? And like, what am I supposed to say to them? And now we're at a point that they're working in their centers together. They're excited. I would say that's the other thing. A positive thing is 
they're excited about school. They're excited to be with each other and learn because they kind of live with this knowledge that that wasn't always the case for other kids. So they they kind of, I think, almost appreciate it in a way mm-hmm. um, and love being at school. So there's definitely some you know, downsides to what has happened. But I think it's kind of regrouped some of our kids to be like, school is awesome. Mm-hmm. I want to be here. This is important. And they're flourishing again. Oh, yes. 100%. My kids have made so much growth in these past three months. I would say this mm-hmm. might be one of the hardest years, but one of the most rewarding. I agree. You do such great work with Barry in pre-K all year long. And then guess what comes in the middle of the calendar year? Summertime. Summer fun. Had me a blast. I bet they do, too. And that might be a concern for learning loss. So how do you deal with that? Is there any is there any fear about learning what the knowledge they've gained during the year with you? Definitely. I think when they leave me, one of the main things I try to do with parents especially is, okay, so we've worked really hard all year and we've come so far. So please, over the summer, you know, keep them engaged, keep them active, um, keep a schedule if you can. That's really huge. Um, You know, let's not stay up till midnight. You know, let's try to keep a great sleep, you know, pattern. And but asking questions, I kind of send I send a few things out right before the end of the um, before summer to try to like give them ideas about things to do. I know not everyone has the, the the money or whatever to go different places, but it's so simple as just like when you're driving down the street, asking them questions, what do you see, what colors, um, playing games, like Cynthia was saying earlier, um, you can play so many games in the car driving that keep them engaged and keep them thinking. That's the main thing. Just keep them thinking and asking them what they think about things so that they really stay in that practice of expressing themselves and they don't, Um, you know, clam back up or feel like everything that we've talked about all year long is just now stopped. You know, they're going to keep keep engaging and keep learning and keep expressing themselves. And also, I think, too, if parents will um, take some accountability in that they can do the same things we were doing in the classroom, just they're going to do it at home over the summer. Um, I think that's huge. And it really helps it that, that there is a huge loss over the summer. So it would really help if if everybody did their part. Cynthia, when you receive the little learners back into your classroom for kindergarten, how do you address summer learning loss? So the first thing we do as a school is we've came uh, came together and created like a bridging program almost. So a couple weeks before the school year starts, we invite some of our pre-K students that have signed up to come to their camp. And we essentially get them used to that schedule and how we do math centers and reading centers and calendar together. Um And it kind of reminds them, oh, yeah, this is how we walk in a line. This is how we raise our hand. Um, And it kind of sets them up for the first day of school. They're like, oh, I know how to do this. I've got it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that really benefits a lot of our learners, which is something special we get to do because we have a pre-K in our building. We know these kids. um, And we can also, you know, help those specific students and say, hey, we really think you should come to this that we're more worried about. You know, we provide that opportunity for these families at no cost. Um, which is really important. And then when they come into the classroom, we do spend the first six weeks kind of reteaching a lot of those um, gels that Barry has talked about. You know, we are focusing more on that whole child development, um, and we reassess them on those things to make sure they're ready for kindergarten. What are some strategies you both use to keep excitement for learning high and to keep your kids motivated? So in pre-K, I think... 
I just try to make it fun. Make it fun. I mean, I've sat in so many professional developments where it was not fun. And I really did not have huge takeaways. So in everything that I plan, when I'm planning, how can I make this more fun? When we're when we're in the classroom and, and I'm actually acting out what I've planned, how can I make this more fun? It's always because it they learn best when they're playing and having fun. And when you're laughing and and everybody's engaged. That's a lot of learning going on. It's Whereas, irresistible. Yeah. So planning, I mean, having fun. Um, I also think, too, like establishing really cool creative things just for your class. You know, like it kind of creates this like family environment where there's like certain things that only your class does. Oh. Like we sing the Friday song on Friday. What's the Friday song? Oh, my God. You want me to sing it? I would love it if you would sing it. <laughs> okay. So it's Do you Friday. Need any oh, it's Friday. Oh, yeah. Give me a beat. Here we go. Okay. I don't <laughs> know if it's Friday. Right it's Friday. <laughs> it's the end of the week and the last day. Hey, Ashley, it's on you. What are you going to do? And then you tell me, like, I'm going to go to Disney World or wherever you're going to do. And then it goes on and on. <laughs> and then I go to the next child. and we. But they love it, first of all. And I've heard from parents, this is what I'm talking about, like, creating that one thing that, like, oh, in Miss Hardigree's class or Miss Murphy's class. They're like, we still sing the Friday song. Do they? In the morning on Friday. And they're, like, in fourth grade. <laughs> you know, they're like, I'm in like, fourth what? grade? Yeah. So I'm like, that's a cool little. Look you at know, you. You need a record deal. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not a singer. <laughs> but I do sing a lot all day. Any other strategies you employ with um, your pre-cares? I think um, when you walk into my class, it's a lot of, um, hi, Ashley, great to see you. What did you do? It's a lot of conversation and a lot of Engagement. asking questions. Yeah, because I want them to walk in and know, like, oh, she really cares about me and, like, wants to know what I did and and then what did you do? And they're just like, oh, okay, well, then I, you know, so a lot of conversations. Um, I am really big with my parents. Um, communication, yes, always, but I send 10 pictures every day through Dojo. And I feel like that holds me accountable because I know the parents are seeing what we're doing in the classroom. So I better make it good and I better make it exciting. And then it's great conversation at home that night. Like the parents have seen the pictures of like, like yesterday we carved a pumpkin. So then I know the parents can ask, like, I saw you carved a pumpkin today. Like, let's talk about it. So really showing them, not just saying, like, hey, next week we're going to be talking about this, but showing them the pictures every day on Dojo I think is a really big one, too, for me, for okay. my class. I bet the parents love that, oh, too. Oh, they eat it up. <laughs> they love it. And I also feel like it gets the parents more involved. Yes. Right? Because they have an eye in the classroom now, and they know, like, oh, they're really doing cool stuff. I want to send something for that, you know? So it's really cool in that way, too. And I'm sure as a kid, you feel like your parent isn't missing out on your learning experience right. because they're tuned in. And I'm a parent, too. I have three. And I, like, eat that up. Like, when my kid's teacher posts a picture, I'm, like, looking for him. And I'm, like, is he <laughs> is he paying attention? Like, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I used but to I, feel like, that way about, about my – I don't have kids, but about my dog at daycare. <laughs> Thank I you. felt the same way. I felt so invested just to see what she was doing. It's huge. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. Good, good metrics. Good ways to judge. Okay, what do you have for us, Cynthia? What are your strategies? Well, I totally am on board with having fun. I think that's so important as they transition into kindergarten. They're still kids. They're yeah. still little. So we still want to make everything fun if I can turn anything into a game or even just calling it a game. That oh. seems to get them like super hyped up and they're all wanting to participate. <laughs> Who doesn't want to play a game? Exactly. And then I say like when I'm planning, I always think make it hands-on, and keep it simple. Those are my two big things because we do have a lot to cover in kindergarten. They have so much to learn, which is so fantastic. 
but we don't want them to get overwhelmed and we want to make sure they understand it. So I really try to break things down into digestible chunks for them. Um, and then whenever I get the chance, I love to ask them, I have it, or I tell them, I have a challenge for you. Because in kindergarten, just like in pre-K, challenges are scary and they, they don't want to do things at first, but then they have to respond back, challenge accepted. And oh, then everybody cheers and we all I love work it. together. So there's no longer that fear of being wrong because you you accepted the challenge. Um, when I wish it was my idea, but I heard it at a fantastic PD a long time ago. And it just works really well with my young kids. Um, and just them telling them, hey, can you help me? Can you show, Kids show love me? to do that. Show me how to do this. That's something I always say because I want them to show and explain, get them to talk more about their thinking. You know, she she allows them to talk about their life and express themselves. And so we try in kindergarten to say, okay, well, can you explain to me how you know that two mm-hmm. and two more is four? Or, you know, why is this a living thing? Um, can you show me how you know this? So those are my my strategies. All these ideas are game changers. Thank yeah. you so much, Barry Murphy, Cynthia Hardigree from welcome. Henderson Mill Elementary School. I think I'm ready for K. Awesome. We're happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> what does this experience feel like for you today? Did you have a good time? Oh, this was awesome. Yeah, super fun. Any reflections? Let's do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge accepted. There we yeah. go. <laughs> we'll spread the word to teachers because there's a lot more goodness where this came from. Thank you for listening to Classroom Conversations, the platform for Georgia's teachers. Let's conclude with our weekly dose of affirmation. You're a great teacher. Goodbye for now.